Sup, y'all. Sup, y'all. Welcome to another episode of We Don't Know Her. I'm Katie. And I'm Christy. And we are the Spice Girls. <laughs> oh, spice of <laughs> I can't believe we haven't done that um, yet as our intro. Just because I know. When, just a little BTS secret. Um, I feel like when we first started like trying to feel out our intro and the podcast and how to talk, there was no other way for us to introduce ourselves without sounding like we were going to say... And we're, we're the, the Almond Doob- Brothers. Or like, <laughs> yeah, it felt Idiots. really, really weird to not be like, and this is the Tonight Show. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's just a little like fun behind the scenes from like from us to y'all. But today we're going to be discussing manipulation. Mm-hmm. The art Dungeon. of it. The the what do you say, uh, the destruction it leaves in its wake. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. Investigative journalism. Um, we're also going to be talking about like when we've been the manipulators intentionally or not so intentionally and kind of like when, it's not just a one-sided game. I got to stop with the claws. Oh my um, God. <laughs> That's another BTS. Um, so now that we've been on video, we've been very, um, our hand gestures have been brought to our attention mm-hmm. and we use a lot of them. But they're not cute or attractive. No, they're it's very like really bad. Raptor claw, monkey's <laughs> paw type of thing. Or like just like I look like I'm the hand from the Adams family. You know what I mean? Like just an like independent. Just a separate entity. Um, so I I just like I'm sorry. We're it's hard because now that we've been doing the podcast for like eight months, we f- finally have a little bit of a handle on the way that we speak and the way that we want to talk to you guys and the way that we feel when we're podcasting. But now the video element is just brutal. Like, this is... Like, today, and I... We're not young enough for this, you know? We don't know technology. Like, we mm. we are still living in simpler prehistoric times. But, um... MySpace. Yeah. And also, the other thing is that, like, for once today, I'm not wearing a black t-shirt. Um, oh, is that your some, first time not wearing a black t-shirt on the celebration? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> if that, that says anything about my colorful personality, it's just that I wear black and white. And I look like a Kurt Cobain impersonator today. Um, which is my standard. Like, if I could wear this year-round, this is exactly what I would look like. Yeah, millennials um, at their finest year. Yeah, so, you know, we're not we're not looking great, but we're feeling pretty good. Well, yeah. you're looking you're looking okay. I'm not looking great. Um, <laughs> we're not here to manipulate no. our personas wow. and make us look like some people that we're not. Wow. So just take mm-hmm. that. Maybe that's the lesson in this. And yeah. we're going to keep doing us. Looking ugly and <laughs> dressing just really boring. That's us. Um, so before we dive into our manipulation of it all, let's do a little catch up, see where we're at, where we're feeling, how we're living. Yeah. Um, so why don't you take the reins? Go ahead. Catch oh. me up on what your well life has been like. Um, I guess a good place to start would be just a quick follow up from last week. Mm-hmm. If anyone listened to our... Our most recent episode, you might have heard how I was very anxious in the beginning, and I had just been very anxious that week. There was a trip that was, you know, on... It, I was going on a trip with my mom to visit my brother, mm-hmm. right? and I was feeling types of ways about it, but I came out of it unscathed. I actually... There was a lot of learning lessons within the trip, and also, I don't know if this was like divine timing. I, I would like to think that it was. That, you know, we did the Enneagram episode last week, mm-hmm. and I had mentioned that I am already with the hand gestures. Um, you could do hand gestures, just don't make them ugly. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, I had mentioned that I 
feel like I am actually a nine as opposed to a four, go back to listen to the episode to see what that all means. But basically, I think just with that small little window of realization, I think that it it removed some type of obstacle for me within like what my feelings are about my relationship with my mom. And I've explained it before in more detail, but I I will just say that the trip actually turned out to be dare I say nice. It was cathartic. I wouldn't go that far, but it mm-hmm. was definitely um not as it it, it wasn't bad at all. Yeah. Um I wouldn't even say that it wasn't as bad as I expected. It really there wasn't anything I I could complain about. Um it well, I'll just give you a little brief overview of what we did because I've never been to Pittsburgh before. I I would you would think that it's like somewhere like it's like LA. I want to go to Pittsburgh so bad. I think that it's like I just think I would love it there. Like I think it's like I'm meant for it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I've always felt really drawn to it and Ricky refuses to go there with me. So I am interested to hear like what you did. Well, I mean for anyone who doesn't know that we live in the suburbs of Philadelphia, but Philadelphia is the city that we are used to. And Pittsburgh is similar, but it, it's not, it's a very small city from what I've gathered and not as like hustle and bustle as Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah it's definitely way smaller. Yeah. And it was interesting because like, I really had no expectations. I've, I've heard about Pittsburgh, but I had no concept in my mind of what it would be like. And my brother, so he lives in the suburbs of the city as well. So he lives um, in, you know, like a wooded area. It's like quiet. There's It's a nice little neighborhood. But then you go into the city and it's like also quiet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there were a lot of bridges. Yep. We, um, I think he said something like you could walk the length of the city and like it's like eight miles long or something like mm-hmm. that. I can't remember. But um yeah, I mean, there was a strip in the city of, like, it kind of reminded me of, like, Soho in New York, where there's, like, vendors on the sidewalk, and there's, like, there's a whole table of, you know, like, knockoff purses and sunglasses, mm-hmm. and then there's, like, fish markets, and there's, like, donut shops. It's just, but everything is, like, outside, so we, we walked that little strip, and um, we went to a museum that day. There was, like, a a Mr. Rogers exhibit that my mom was just really dying to see. And you know what? I don't blame her because we all love Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Um, and we just had like a little, we just walked around that little area for, you know, for the afternoon. And we just, otherwise, we just kind of hung out at his house. And I had the dog, I had my dog with us. So that was always, that was a nice little um, buffer, I guess you could say. And I guess... The point that I learned after the trip is that with my relationship with my mom, I think it all, it kind of put things into perspective for me because I've, you know, we don't hang out a lot, mm-hmm. my family and I. So I think the time that we spend that's not a holiday where we feel obligated to hang out, where we are actually just spending time together, it was kind of interesting to see us in that type of setting where it's just my older brother, me, and my mom, like we were kind of like the OGs, it feels like, of the family because like my older brother was adopted first. For at one point, it was really just us and my parents and then we adopted my younger brothers. But just to have the three of us in particular, it was interesting to see the dynamic and like kind of seeing my mom in the context of not just me and like me and her. It was like me, her, and like I saw her, how she interacted with my brother and it was... Everything felt very equal as far as um, 
just like interest in the conversation, that type of thing. So it, I don't know, I could go on forever about what what my feelings are about the trip, but it was just, maybe it was cathartic. I think it's, it seems like it was cathartic. Um, and I think that that is important and something that, you know, you were really hesitant to even think was an option going into it because mm-hmm. I know we talked privately before that the week before and I was like, well, you know, this is a chance for you to really see your brother, how he interacts, how your family and like see your mom in a different way and you were like, well, I'm not sure <laughs> shot on that. So I doubt it. And I was like, well, you never know. Um, so I'm glad that it did go that way. And yeah. That, you know, that things like that because it is, we've talked about this before on other episodes if you're new around here though. Christy and I both are um, not super close to our families and there can be an uncomfortability when you kind of try to like spend time with the people who are supposed to know you the best, mm-hmm. but it, it just makes it awkward. Like you're like, this is supposed to be so easy and like so comfortable and that pressure makes it even more uncomfortable. So I'm glad that it went that way and I, I relate and I understand how that yeah. feels. So, um, well, and just, I think that it just... For my own, I think a lot of the feelings that I harbor towards my family, my mom in particular, do have a lot to do with me and how I project them because Mm -hmm. ultimately the other thing I realized is that, you know, there are times where I may feel like my family doesn't put in as much effort as I do, but I have to really take a look at the effort that I am actually putting in. Mm -hmm. And although on the inside I may feel like I am outwardly, especially to people who don't know me it can probably be very difficult to get a gauge of how I feel, what I think of our relationship, what I'm trying to do. So that just really helped. It was just a moment of realization that was like, okay, at least I know that now and I can see it. So it's not as though the problem is fixed necessarily, but I can see more clearly my part in it and what I can do differently. And I think that's why it relates to being a newly realized nine because just one of their attributes is just trying to fix like maybe a long, a large scale problem with a simple solution. And I think that's been my chronic issue for a lot of the time is just trying to put a bandaid over something that has been like, you know, a and not do the uncomfortable yeah. little steps. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, overall it was really good. I'm glad that we did it. Pittsburgh. I mean, I think that it would be, it's, it is a long drive from here. I will say it, it's just, it, it's, it can be scenic, so it's not horrible because you are on the turnpike from, like, Philadelphia to Pittsburgh. It's, like, five hours. So, I mean, maybe one day we'll make it there. I would do, I would go. You know, like, I don't mind a long drive. I, I love a long drive, so I'd always do it. It's just that Ricky doesn't think that it's a worthwhile – like, he's like, we already live in PA. If we're mm-hmm. going to drive six hours, it's not going to be to go to the other big city in PA. Well, which I, I understand to an extent, but then, like – I will say, though, PA – you know, maybe I didn't give her a lot of credit either because I probably would have said a similar thing if I were him. Um, but I will say I I forget that PA, there are parts of it that are pretty scenic. And Oh, it's beautiful. Like, Pennsylvania yeah. is really beautiful. I say that all the time that if I wasn't from here, I would constantly be noticing like how pretty it is here mm-hmm. most of the year. Um, but especially because we get all the seasons and all that stuff. But it's just that it's... Um, there's so much to see in the world, you know, that to take that trip is yeah. that precious time off and to dedicate it to a trip that's so close, it just feels like a waste to him. Yeah, yeah I can But see we'll see. Um, yeah. So in terms of yeah, my so- quick catch up yes. is that I have reached a point of um, 
self-acceptance mm-hmm. in a way that I'm really pushing myself to no longer dress or act a certain way based on the way that I look. If I like it, I wear it. I see it, I like it. I want it, I got it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and within reason. Like, listen, I'm not going to push myself and try to be out here wearing, like, a G-string bathing suit. You right. know, like, and which is, because it's not me. Yeah. But there is a, there is a fine line, I think, where um, I'm not somebody who, like, didn't go to the beach or didn't wear bathing suits or something. Like, I, I will put myself out there, but there's a lot of times I go there and I don't take my shirt and shorts off. Or, and I don't go in the ocean anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But, or I wear a one piece, which I've resorted to the last couple of years, or doing things like that. And I'm just, I'm at a point where I'm like, if I'm going to constantly be um, trying to lift other women up and really speak from a place that, that I do believe that everyone should be happy, I can't stand body shaming or shaming of any kind. I don't fuck with it. So I'm just trying to really like walk the walk. Mm-hmm. And I got a bathing suit, I got a bikini. It's, pretty revealing um I'm gonna do it I'm just I'm gonna wear it and I'm trying to like even today like I'm wearing a tank top tucked into jeans I wouldn't have done that I would literally have never done that Mm -hmm. in the last couple of years because my stomach isn't flat enough I don't feel thin enough I don't feel enough Mm -hmm. so I'm just at a point where I'm no longer doing that and I'm trying to really embrace it now for summer and like get to a point where it's like you know, just because my arms aren't thin doesn't mean I have to wear long sleeves. Right. I'm yeah. trying to embrace that. And I think that it, I mean, I think you'll, you'll look great in anything that you put on. And I think that it's all yes. about the way that you carry yourself where, although it may not be comfortable at first, I think that it's, once you start to feel or see that nothing bad or catastrophic will happen, you know, you're not going to lose your friends or family me and Ray will not think any differently of you if you don't look a certain way. Like, that's, you know, ridiculous. But I understand the struggle, though, where, you know, if you don't feel good in your body, it's hard to fake it till you make it. And I think that the other thing about our journey is with just getting to know ourselves, and that all comes with the authenticity of it all. And some things are harder to reveal, I think, than others about mm-hmm. ourselves. But once we do, it is very liberating and... I think that'll just be a step in the right direction of you just feeling much more free to be who you are. And yeah, and I think there's a lot of, um, I've talked to you about this off the podcast, but I'm trying to really change the narrative of a lot of things that I taught myself. I'm trying to really like change those patterns of not always telling myself the same story and, and viewing things the same way. So for the longest time, as I've talked about in the podcast before, I won't go super deep into it, but like I used to run a fitness blog. I used to be very, very thin, very in shape, I should say. Not just like very skinny, but like strong. I was just in shape. And I have seen myself as a a failure story by gaining weight over the last couple of years and no longer being as dedicated and um, committed as I used to be to that. And I felt like a failure. Like I felt like people were going to see me and be like, wow, like she really, which I'm sure they do. I'm, sh- I'm sure that does happen sometimes. But... I am now reframing it to be that this is a success story of beating an eating disorder and beating a, because actually when I was that thin, it wasn't good for me. And it's, my body actually isn't, I'm built pretty small, but I'm not built to be very, very thin. I'm pretty curvy. So it, I'm reframing the narrative of that this is a success story, not a failure story and trying to like really embrace that. Mm -hmm. It's hard, but 
and, and I'm trying to, and then if anyone sees it as a failure story, then I'm sorry, because that means that you are still in a mindset of believing what society tells you and maybe the bad things that you feel about yourself. So you see that I've gained weight and therefore that's a failure. Um, but I hope that for everyone else out there who has gained weight and is now living their authentic lives, that I can participate in that and maybe encourage someone to mm-hmm. not feel that they need to be so thin. Exactly. And I think that that is the perfect segue into the episode today only because I feel like with manipulation, I think that there's a lot of destructive, monstrous connotations to it. Like if you if you hear the word manipulation, you think of it in terms of someone who is basically just trying to inflict harm on other people. Play chess with people's emotions. Yeah. Exactly. And But I think that it's much more nuanced than that. I think at the very core of what manipulation is, you are trying to deceive people and have them believe something that is not necessarily true. But I, I think where it differs is where the intention is behind it. So I guess with the connecting point of just you and I have led certain people-pleasing lives. You maybe with how you feel like you should look based off of society standards. Me being a certain type of person, like always wanting to like come off nice and diplomatic and like just a good person. And when really I'm a lost, scared, fearful person who I don't actually know who I am, you know? And I think that that is technically maybe a form of manipulation where we're trying to deceive the other, you know, the world into thinking that we are a certain way when really who we really are, if we are not 5'10 and 100 pounds or we are not doing the most, it's it's still okay because if you are being your authentic self, that what I think is what matters. And yeah. I think that's what people are attracted to. It's not how you look on the outside. So, yeah, I think, I mean, we authenticity is definitely like the antidote to most of the things that I feel like we, we have discussed on this episode or on this podcast and like really come up against. It's always, if we're authentic, that uh, seems to fix a lot of the problems. And the manipulation on the small scale, like you're saying, like for us is like, social media is, is manipulating the way that people see you or it or um think of you yeah think of you like take you in so that everyone is always manipulating mm-hmm. a situation at all times but it's like a difference between like you know a lie and a white lie mm-hmm. it's a difference between like the intent behind it um are you doing it because of your own insecurity and then even then you could take it too far and you end up being a catfish right you know like the most manipulating people ever mm-hmm. so I think, yeah, there's a lot, manipulation definitely plays a part in our lives at all times, but we have both experienced real deal, intentional, intentional and just unhealthy, toxic manipulation mm-hmm. on both ends. And we're going to get into that. Um, I think that like first, I mean, our, I'll let you go first with maybe one of your first experiences. Like, what do you think was your first your first taste at being truly manipulated? Oh, um, we could go way back mm-hmm. if I were to think. Um, I'll just go with what comes to mind first. It's not necessarily the first time that I was ever manipulated because I think that I have experienced that even at a very young age with finding friends, you know, when you're mm-hmm. elementary school age. I was, I always kind of flocked towards the people who were very strong personalities, who could 
pretty much get me to do any, well, not anything, but I was very much in my most people-pleasing stage back then because I was just so young and vulnerable. But I, I definitely was friends with people who would try to influence me to do things that were not good for me. Um, as far as like the most monumental maybe that I can remember, there was, as everybody may know already, I've been in a string of relationships, multiple relationships that have all had their own major issues. Um, I think one of the first ones that come to mind is one of my most recent ones that I've referred to. It, I still need to think of a nickname to really like refer to Why don't we to just call time. them two and seven? The guy she was with for seven years, the guy she was with for two years. Okay. All right. That's so that we're works. referring, and two was more recent. Seven was some time ago. So mm-hmm. it went seven, two. So this is about two. So this is, yes, <laughs> this is about two. Um, so I, where do I begin with two as far as the manipulation? I, um, well, what do you think was like a, like the first example since you were together for two years and it, there was a lot of manipulation, like what do you think is like the sh- one of the strongest examples from that relationship of like the first thing that comes to mind of like, oh my God, this is how I was manipulated? So without divulging too much information about this person's life and their past because it's not necessarily my place to go into detail about it, but um, this person had a past with substance abuse and that had come into play in our relationship in many extreme ways. The first time we, it was pretty early on in the relationship, a brief synopsis of the context is basically just that he had run into an old friend who had offered him to do drugs, like Coke specifically. I've never fucked with Coke. Mm -hmm. I was somebody who was just never attracted to that either. I was strictly just like a get drunk, smoke weed type of person. And that's just, that was my own preference. Um, And what transpired from that was basically just that it's so hard to like not go into so much detail about the context, but basically when this person offered my ex drugs, he had declined. He had then told me later that night that, you know, this person had offered me Coke and I just wanted to let you know that I declined it. And I think in his head, that was an honorable thing to do. And I was glad that he did tell me, I was glad that he was honest about that type of interaction and what had happened where I then started to feel uncomfortable was the way that he had worded his response to this person was just that not tonight. It was specifically like, I'm not like, not tonight. Basically it wasn't Mm -hmm. like, I don't do that anymore. Don't offer it to me ever again. It was like, not tonight. Like I'm trying to like get home early and mm-hmm. I'm just like not into it right now. And I think that I was very deeply insecure coming from a troubled past with other people in my life with substance issues and addictions. And, you know, I was probably feeling pretty triggered by it in some way, but I just knew that I felt uncomfortable with that. And it was hard for me to grapple where my frustration and confusion was it wasn't necessarily with this person with my ex too when he told me about the story it wasn't like oh you did something wrong it was like I feel some type of uncomfortability because now I'm picking apart what he said it it didn't seem definite to me now I feel like there's like a window for maybe a lapse of judgment where you know is he thinking that he wants to do it and that's why he said it that way you know I spiraled into this whole thought process of 
you know, is there a chance that he may be tempted to do this and go down this path again? I don't know. And it was really hard for me to articulate those feelings to him. And basically what had happened was that when I did, I had just voiced that the way that this, first of all, the fact that this person who used to call your friend offered you drugs knowing about your past, I think is fucked up of them. I don't mm-hmm. think that that was something that he should have done. Um, and then it turned into just just simply stating, I just feel uncomfortable with this situation and I just don't even really know why or how, but I have to be honest. And then what happened after that was then the conversation just exploded into my fault, essentially, of me voicing my opinion. And he actually kind of turned on me in a way and was starting to almost punish me for not trusting him enough. I should be more trusting of him as an ex an ex addict and the fact that he was able to decline this offer from his ex friend and how dare you not trust me. I thought that we were further along in our relationship. I thought that we had, you know, full trust in this and if there is no trust then like it it just spiraled into this explosive fight that was about me not trusting him and how that is my fault and it's this is on me Mm -hmm. and I I I did fight tooth and nail to try to explain myself and try to really just backtrack and de-escalate the situation and there was no de-escalation it just got worse and worse and I started to feel worse and worse about it to the point where I ended up apologizing to him at some point forever making him feel uncomfortable or like that he wasn't trustworthy and it was just really hurtful I just remember I don't know how this may sound to other people who don't know the situation because I can't go into like grave detail like I said but I just remember how it made me feel and it made me feel like a monster for how could, how could I ever do that? Well, I think like this situation that even though obviously you can't go into a lot of detail and if you're somebody who hasn't, if like for anyone listening who hasn't dated somebody with an addiction problem or is familiar with addiction in, in general, um, this situation happens all the time in relationships, that exact dynamic of that, like, let's say somebody cheats. Like, I feel like that's the more likely mm-hmm. example, which is the exact same thing. They cheat. You are then insecure. You are then nervous. And although you trust them and you want to trust them, when they do do something that's out of line and you ask them, they spin it back on you and try to manipulate the situation and act like, how dare you? When really you are doing that, you have that reaction because they broke your trust once. And with you, it wasn't that he broke your trust, it's that you have a you have an addiction so of course i'm going to ask questions and i'm going to have feelings about it not even tying in the fact that you have your own past with addiction in your family and how you feel about it um which is why it was so triggering so and he knew that and that's the other part of manipulation is that like they take your insecurity right and they use it against you right like he he and even though in the moment he might not have been like consciously right like like, oh i know how she feels about addiction so i'm going to use this against her i I agree with you i'm sure that he probably did think that that was the right thing to do when Mm -hmm. he brought it up however i feel like like if you think about this logically if you are if you think something was a big enough deal that you need to bring it up to your partner and let them know 
why would it not be a big enough deal for them to have a reaction? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it that's was, a double stamp. So it's a big enough deal that you knew you had to tell her, that you had, he had to tell you, but not a big enough deal that you could feel any type of way about it. Right. And I think that that's where it became a pattern in our relationship that just only got worse because it it became this narrative that he has a very sensitive past and it's a very sensitive topic. And I understand everybody's trauma in their life, you know, it can be sensitive to talk about. However, what the dynamic became was that he was basically allowed to have all of these feelings and I had to handle his past with care and sure, definitely, but mine was right not handled with care mm-hmm. and it was very reckless and, and it was used against me a lot in many other fights after. That wasn't even the only time that had happened. Um, there had been many times after that where the way, you know, things that I had shared about my past and how I feel about things were then used, they were weaponized against me in certain ways to make me feel like, and to make me look like I was the one who was being ridiculous and outlandish and I wasn't caring about his feelings enough and I had apologized to him multiple times about things that in retrospect I should not have apologized for. They were essentially just me apologizing for having a feeling about anything. Um... And it, I mean, there was even another instance where, you know, I guess we can, we can find the manipulation in this point because it was just another form of gaslighting where, you know, back when we had first started dating, we were still going out to bars and clubs together. And there was one night where I had gotten pretty drunk. I was hanging out with one of my girlfriends there who we were all mutual friends and her and I were just having a good time dancing together. And I guess however we were dancing or acting or looking there were guys around us that were gawking at us, like checking us out, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of them made a move. None of them, I, I didn't talk to any of them. Nothing actually happened as far as any interaction with anyone else. And what we ended up fighting about was, two, my ex, telling me that the way that I was presenting myself and carrying myself that night is my fault for these guys gawking at me and looking at me and checking me out. And um, it was my fault for making him feel that way. He felt mm-hmm. like I was... I mean, it, it's like the same thing of like... Why girls can't wear short skirts because it'll distract boys at school. Yeah, how dare we actually just because they, have a good time. Because their brains are so weak that like if you're wearing hot clothes, what are they going to do? Else? We, have no, we don't of know course. what else to do except just gawk and then sexually assault people. I don't know. Right, and, don't that's, know. and that's the thing. Like I remember even when that happened in real time being so angry because that because that is that train of thought is a direct link to believing that somebody deserves a certain treatment based on the way that they look. Whether for being too hot, for being too ugly. And like I said earlier, I don't fuck with shaming. Mm-hmm. I don't, um, I don't like it. And I don't, and I think that that is such a, that's a good example of how his brain works. You mm-hmm. know, like that's, he's. And he didn't let up. There was no, the, we talked about it at nauseum, trying to gain each other's points of view and try to understand where the other, other person was coming from. And I, I could articulate to him that, yes, I understand that with, insecurities seeing that type of situation occur with your girlfriend or boyfriend is going to be uncomfortable you're going to feel jealous you'll feel insecure but that is in no way grounds for you to then blame your partner who had no interaction it's you know I didn't 
get a number from a guy. I didn't talk. I, there was no interaction that could be questionable that I did other than just having fun with my friend. And he never let up about it. It was just, no, it's, it's your fault that they were looking at you. If you weren't doing that, they wouldn't be looking at you. And I was like, okay, well, you know, agree to disagree, I guess, because what's done is done. And it, it just, I mean, that whole relationship was nothing but emotional manipulation. And I think that it was, there were, there were times that I think that it was intentional. You know, I, I would like to think that he is somebody who is considerate of other people's feelings and who was just lost and didn't know. But I, I really do think that he was just in it for himself the entire relationship. And that's just how I feel. Um, yeah. Based and off he, of his, his actions. His, um, his train of thought and the way that you guys interacted is reminiscent of an ex that I had. Um, what should we call him? Mm. Should we call him Boots? Because <laughs> he wore... Only Boots? <laughs> Let's call him Boots. That's the nicest okay. nickname we could give him. Truly. The most PC nickname we could give him. So um, Boots and I met on the goddamn internet at the beginning of time before even dating apps were like a thing. And he was, he had that exact same mentality of if I was acting any certain way in public, however people were treating me was directly my fault, the way that I looked for better or for worse. But for him, it was almost the opposite in that he wanted, he wanted me to be hotter. Like he wanted me to be more of an arm piece, more of like an arm candy, like more of a look at, because he was, uh, I think we were seven years apart in age. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that it was six years apart in age. He was 27. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I was 20. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, or 21. I was 21 because I was, I was drinking. So, okay. He was, yeah, 27, 28, something like that. And I was 21, um, six or seven years apart. So he wanted me to be like a young, dumb, hot girl. And he wanted to be like oh, sweetie, you don't understand. Like, I'll explain it to you. Mm. I'm smart. I have an associates. Whatever <laughs> <laughs> the fuck. And, um, I mean, he manipulated me in a lot of ways and ways of, like, he wanted me to be Tanner and he was, like, constantly, like, you know what? Like, you would be, like, so much hotter if you, like, were Tanner. And for me, that's, I don't know if I've actually said that on the podcast before, but that is a real soft spot for me. I was like literally teased in elementary school for being so pale. I am very insecure about not being, about being pale. It sounds crazy, but that's, that's what it is. Um, so him saying that to me, I was like, oh my God. And that was like at the height of like my body dysmorphia and all of that. I mean, I really took it in and I was doing all the things he wanted me to do. I was making, I was changing all the things. I was hanging out with his friends. I was fitting in. I was doing my part. And then, um, but you know, his friends drank a lot. It was a similar thing of like you and two. We, I hung out with his group of friends. We partied a lot and I didn't drink that much at that time. Like when I was with you, like I wouldn't drink like that. Like I was, I was really partying hard with them because that's how they were drinking. Mm -hmm. And then there was one night where he cornered me at a bar and he was like, you're in bed. And I keep in mind, I was sober enough to like totally remember this. I was just sitting at a bar talking to somebody, one of his girlfriends And he came up to me and I guess, I don't know what I did. I don't know what I did that night that, that set him off, but he came up to me and he was like, 
you have a drinking problem. And I was like, I have a drinking problem? And he was like, yeah. And he was hammered. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have a drinking problem. He was like, yeah. And he said that I was an alcoholic. I was embarrassing myself. I was making a fool of myself. That everyone was laughing at me. That that he just went on. And, and I, I started sobbing. And I literally ran out of the bar. And not many people can get to me like that. Like, he was a particular type of devil. Yeah. <laughs> that was just so um, vicious and cutthroat. And manipulated me in so many ways he would do a lot of things like like I said earlier like he's smarter than me he's better than me like I'm too stupid to understand that he would play like you know Mm -hmm. do a lot of that but then there was also like um manipulation of like oh but you would never do something like that right like you wouldn't be into something like that like before I even got a chance to say if I like that or not like a band or Mm -hmm. anything he'd be like oh we hate that right (laughs) we hate it and I was like yeah we hate it um and it he's he was just awful but it was a very similar dynamic and um and also a very similar un similar struggle in fitting him and two into our groups of friends right like that guy boots did not fit into our couldn't have stuck out more in our group of friends and two was the same way where it was like we're not the same we're not on the same we're not the same vibe here and I think they kind of use that to make them think like to make us think and maybe two didn't do this as much to you as like that guy you know boots did Mm -hmm. to me of feeling like yeah like I know that's what you and your friends do Mm. but like grown-ups act like me and my friends and like spun it to even make me feel bad about my friends about Mm -hmm. where I lived about everything I did I mean he just tore it apart I, and that's the that's Ugh, the him. thing about if you're listening truly. I know. Fuck you. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, honestly, both of you. Um, oh, both of both you. of you too, and Boots, because it's it's one of those things that's really fucked up. Is just that manipulation has this dichotomy almost. I I don't know if that's the right use of the word, but it feels like in I order to how there's like two separate ends of the spectrum with manipulation, just in terms of one that. In order to recognize manipulation and be able to learn from it and kind of detonate it in its path before it happens to you or recognize it when it is happening and, and stop it, you have to experience it. You have to go through some pretty fucked up situations sometimes because I think it, it's just something that you internalize. So being able to see it happen to other people may be much easier than recognizing it when it's happening to you. And then once you do recognize when it has happened to you, especially in such traumatizing ways, because it's something that just stays with you. Like that is now a part of me. Like that experience and those feelings that you and I both had from feeling so low about ourselves or just so sad about what we could have done to hurt these people when we didn't do anything is something that we have to now work through for the rest of our lives because that doesn't just go away, you know? Like, now that will play a part in every relationship and every feeling that I have about anything. Well, that's... And I think it's, like, I... It is part of... It's part of that forever. But it's even crazier because I feel like... And this is something that I just... I need to work through and figure this out. Um, I think I've had more relation... I've had less relationships that were healthy than manipulative. I have been in way, way... I mean, I would probably say 90% of the friendships and romantic relationships I have been in. Anyone that's not Ricky or me, or like Ray, 
has manipulated <laughs> been manipulated. Literally. Yeah. And it, or it tried to, mm-hmm. I should say. They they don't often succeed. But what happens is I think there's something about my personality and who I am that attracts manipulators. And I think it's that I am very um, outspoken about the way that I feel and they think it's a challenge. They take it as like, all right, she seems like it's going to be fun enough to change her, but not like either too easy or too hard. Mm-hmm. And with some of the people, when I was younger, I definitely did get manipulated. Like I had a lot of friendships and stuff. Remember I told you I had a friend in high school, or not in high school, uh, middle school into early high school where she would hang up just to see if I would call her back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I had like a lot of like really weird. Really stable friends. I mean, just, I, this podcast is not long enough for me to like tell <laughs> stories of all of these people. It is bananas. And if you're listening, which you might be, I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like there was, I had a lot of those type of friendships and, and stuff like that. And then I've talked about like my high school boyfriend who was not manipulative during the relationship whatsoever, extremely after we broke up. Mm. And then my ex that I dated for a few years who cheated on me, I mean, the master manipulator. He could tell me anything and I would believe it. Um, And then it just kept going and going and I dated more and more and more manipulators and friends that way. And for me, it's it's not so much, it's so weird. Um, Instead of like looking at it as like a a snowball rolling downhill, getting bigger and bigger with each experience, Mm -hmm. like more and more weighed down by the manipulation. It's almost the opposite where I feel like I'm in like an obstacle course and each manipulator I get through, I feel like I'm almost towards the end of the course. Like Mm -hmm. I'm getting better at it. I identify it. I no longer allow it to affect me. And that is part of, because I've cut them all out and I literally just had like you, Ricky, and right now because they're the only people I trust to not try to do that to me. Um, Well, and that's that's because the, it's like the kryptonite to manipulators is confidence, Mm -hmm. self-esteem, just security and who you are as a person because that's the only thing that they have. Once they don't have that anymore, they have no power over you because ultimately, whether you're doing it with a naive intention or you're doing it with an actual harmful intention to manipulate somebody, it's always for personal gain. And I think that, you know, just as humans, I'm sure that we are wired that way. It's a survival instinct, I'm sure, is to just kind of always then, be looking. But then there's also people who are like cats playing with mice. Like, they just like to watch people. Um, well, yeah, it's, it's no squirt, matter what, it's you know for their I mean? own, it's for their own pleasure, their yeah. own gain, their own advantage. Mm-hmm. And I think that it is a natural feeling to kind of always just be looking out for yourself deep down of like surviving what can I do to make myself feel better what can I do to make myself feel stronger better whatever it is and sometimes that's at the expense of other people's feelings and that's where the intention comes but I I what I was saying was just that how that's the only thing they have over you that's their way in is to learn about your weak spots so that they can take advantage of it and spin it's like the twisting of the situation of your words of your feelings in order for them to get you where they want you and control you and and the really good ones the really good manipulators infiltrate the people around you well right which brings us to our next point Mm -hmm. of 
our shared relationship that we had with another master manipulator because... Which we've talked about, you know, if you listen to our episode with Ray, um, that's a good episode where we kind of tell the story of that there was a fourth party in our friend group. They were extremely manipulative. <clears throat> we won't tell the full story of that. That's You can go listen to that on the episode with Ray. It's called Three Best Friends That, that Anyone Can Have. And um, Because we are. And, but this uh, girl was extremely manipulative. And We called was, her Regina in that episode. Oh, yeah. So Regina. So... You know, just already based off of what Katie and I have already shared, you know, with you, it's, you know, how you attract those types of people, the people, Mm -hmm. because you do have a sense of assuredness in yourself and they don't... But it's like, but enough, not to cut you off, but like, I think what it is, is that they know that I'm confident in like who I am, Mm -hmm. but extremely uh, not confident in the way that I look and the way that other people feel about me. Right. So it's like a perfect thing because they're like, all right, well, I can't really change how you feel about yourself, but I can change how everyone else feels about you and the way you feel about the way that you look. And Mm -hmm. those are the two things that will literally drive you insane and break you down. And, and that's like that combination of not only having somebody who's like a fun challenge, like the cat and mouse analogy Mm -hmm. of... I get to, this is like the, almost the perfect combination of a person for me because I can tear them down, but also it's like a fun challenge for me because they're not just going to like lay down and die with it. And then there's people who are much more appeasing and willing to just kind of, you know, essentially, you know, not be a complete doormat, but be enough of a doormat for this person that they can manipulate their viewpoints then of other mm-hmm. people. So, and her, like, that's the thing. I think she, she... She didn't want to. Um, she didn't want to change you. She wanted no. just to control what you did. She liked how you were. Well, that's the. That's but the, she that you were the per, you were a really great way to get to me. Exactly, and that is what is so interesting about this dynamic in particular, just betwixt the three of us, is that, you know, individually betwixt. in my life, the people that have manipulated me, it's been the in the relationships like my romantic relationships mm-hmm. where I think those were more, um, they were more with the agenda to make me feel bad about myself this person did the complete opposite manipulation and if anything built me up so much to for me to think that I was like the greatest gift on earth and it was it was intoxicating because I was like wow this is really nice to feel like somebody who truly cares about who I am what I'm but doing but it was also like looking back it was so it was honestly kind of borderline brilliant she's like fucking saw like mm-hmm. she she built you up so much and tore me down so much to instill the fear in you to be like, that's what could happen to you if you don't stop. Mm-hmm. And for me to be like, if you just get with the program, you could be like her and I could be this nice to you if you would just do what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. And she did it to both of us and it played on both of us so much. Um, and it was even like, I think I've said it before. I think I might have said it on the episode with Ray, but um, she would do that and kind of, like what any abuser does, where they beat you down and beat you down and beat you down and then start giving you a mass amount of compliments to trick you and think that... Keep you around. And, right, and be like, oh, wait, that was just an accident. They didn't really mean that. They don't, they're not really trying to hurt me. Right. Um, and she really wanted to... She felt like I... She could tell that I didn't like her and I didn't want to be around her and I didn't trust her and she was trying to win me back over. And she succeeded in so much that she made me feel bad. And I invited her to go get my wedding veil with me to go pick it up. And pick one out, and um, she bailed. 
Mm-hmm. She literally, lit- like, within the hour was, like, didn't even tell me she wasn't coming. I called her and was like, when, when are you going to be here? And she was like, oh, I have other plans. Mm-hmm. And that was just an example of she literally did that just to hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. And and she put me in a position to feel bad, so I gave in and I let her in and then she she tore me down again. Right. And that was the pattern and the manipulation of just constantly, um, and even, I've said it before, she said I was always going to be a nanny. She said she would say things to constantly... Um, keep you down yeah to make you feel lesser than and Mm -hmm. it you know for me being the person who is being built up and manipulated in the way of how I viewed you and our other friends and just anybody around us it it was really conflicting for me because I knew that in my gut like this didn't feel right and I I mean regardless of that feeling I didn't do anything really to help myself or anybody else who was being abused like I I I think I knew deep down that it wasn't right but I think that that fear and that manipulation had infiltrated so deeply into my psyche that now that I'm out of it and I did say this on the episode too with Ray where it was so I mean strategic and calculated that I now feel like I'm re- introducing myself like to you and like my closest friends and other people that I had known so because like if it was somebody that she had a strong opinion about and a strong judgment about ultimately then I started to feel that way because even if I tried to kind of combat you know or like retort with her about something where I was like I don't know I don't really think that like maybe this person is like that she's like no they are I mean look at what they did and she she would give me x y and z mm-hmm. and really go hard to explain and justify her judgments so then it started to make me feel that way and now when I'm just you know, learning who I am as a person, learning who other people are, like without the cloud of her. Now I feel like I'm getting to know people all over again because of, you know, just stepping outside of that manipulative relationship. Yeah. And we've said before, it's like coming out of a cult. Like when you've been manipulated for a long time, um, I think it's really normal to feel like, like I'll say at least for me after those experiences, like I've said, multiple friends multiple relationships up until ricky now like we said there's manipulation in everyday life everyone is manipulative all the time so like ricky of course can try to manipulate things like he can be like oh my head hurts so bad and that means he's trying to get me to get a drink for him or out you know what i mean so like there's low grade things that of course everyone does but he's not an actual manipulative person by any means and um and now I've been removed from it enough for a while where this is the first time in my life that I'm not working for someone who's manipulative. I'm not friends with anyone who's manipulative and I'm not dating a manipulator. This is the first time in my whole, whole life that, knock on wood, God help me, that there's no manipulator in my life. And I have to say that um, the thing is that although like you, like you it's like coming out of it and, and relearning and like you said, like reintroducing yourself, I bet there's also a part of it where you, when you're in that, when you're being manipulated, you're in kind of like a fight or flight. Like you're doing what you need to do. Mm -hmm. And when you come out of it, it's great to be grateful and happy that you're out of it, but then to take ownership for what you did while you were in that position. Mm -hmm. Because there's, I've even experienced that with situations that I've been in where I was being manipulated so therefore I was doing survival tactics. Good example. That guy Boots that I dated, he was such a blip. Like all of my other relationships were significantly longer than him. I dated him for maybe like 
six months, a year before I dated Ricky. Um, And I, you know, I, I had kind of evolved and like created a whole bunch of coping mechanisms to deal with while I was with him. And one of them, they were things that like I would never even do as a normal human. Remember at the end, to get him to break up with me, basically, I went up to a guy at a bar oh, yeah. like, in front of him and just started hitting on this guy. Like putting, like openly putting your number in his phone. I was like, oh yeah, you want me? absolutely. Leave my number. He was a rugby player from like Australia. I was like, oh, absolutely. My God, dream this, I know this was when I was like young and hot. So, um, <laughs> and Boots came, <laughs> Boots came up to me and was like, "Did you just give him your number right in front of me and all of my friends?" Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna do about it?" And I was doing that. He had pushed me. Yeah. You know, like like when you push and push and push and push. Poke a bear. Poke a bear, right. So like, and I have to take ownership of that and understand like that even now as much as I truly hate him in my core, um, I still feel bad about that because that's just not who I am. Like I would never do something like that and I don't even like representing myself that way in front of his friends or other people um, because it's one thing to lash back out or get back it's another thing to really start changing your personality just to try to get back at this person yeah and you have to take ownership of that a little bit and I yeah. like to do that there's there's a lot that I, I think accountability in a lot of ways can come into play when you see how you've been a manipulator because it is very easy to have experience well let me back up let me rephrase that when you are somebody who has a pattern in your life where you've been manipulated over and over again by people. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be in the same ways that Katie and I described. I mean, there's many different ways that people can manipulate somebody in a relationship to essentially just get what they want and take your parents. Advantage. Yeah. A lot of manipulation goes on between parents and kids. There's a lot of different ways, but sometimes it can be hard to recognize when you've been the manipulator and mm-hmm. when you've manipulated situations for your own personal gain. And although I think that there is a fine line between taking care of yourself, sticking up for yourself and all of that, there, there is a difference though between that and blatantly manipulate a situation for your gain. And what mm-hmm. I think a lot of the things that I've done in situations where I've been the manipulator have been in a way to protect myself and to um, keep the peace. As not, we said, well, but I think specifically like you not keep the peace though, but like it's it's deeper than that. I think it's deeper like a fear of abandonment type of thing. Like I don't want this person to leave me, so I will, you know, for instance, in that friendship, fear of abandonment. If I'm afraid that I'm not going to have somebody love and cherish me and and uplift me the way that she did, then I don't want to let go of that. So I will just not do anything in order to keep that feeling of at least feeling some type of security. Or if it's another situation where it's just me individually manipulating a situation. Um, For instance, this is going to sound kind of fucked up just considering how I explained my relationship with two. But my fear of abandonment, I there were times that I manipulated the relationship as well. Um, We had gotten into an explosive fight and broken up at one point and then we did end up getting back together for the second half of our relationship. But I know that the first time that we broke up, it should have ended there Mm -hmm. but I was so fearful of being alone and being lonely no matter how toxic and bad the relationship was I still wanted the companionship the security of having a person there so I did it with a good intention I I thought that I was because that's actually around the time I think I learned about the Enneagram maybe where I was making 
bigger steps than I had in the past to get to know myself. So it felt like I was being true and genuine and very dedicated to the cause. But ultimately, I kind of presented that to him in a way where it was like, here's what I'm going to do to be better. I think that we should make the relationship work. He was actually very hesitant and resistant to getting back together. Um, I don't know if you even know that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, he was like really not sure about it. He's like, "I, I feel like we are just not compatible. And I was like, but no, but we can be because I will be. And begrudgingly, he kind of agreed to go along with it and we tried to make it work. And... I can I can fess up to the fact that I I know that I manipulated that situation because of my fear of abandonment. It is, but at the same time, yes, it is. But like we said earlier, it's all about the intention and you weren't doing that to trick him. It's not like you were like, let's get back together knowing or feeling I'm not going to do any work. Like I'm not going to do any of this. I'm saying it just to get him back and to make him think that, but I have no intention of doing it. You really were, you really believed what you were saying. In the moment You believe that to be true. I mean, I can, if I'm reflecting back on when I presented that to him, because as much as he was rejecting that idea of getting back together and giving this another shot, I didn't have a plan. Like, yeah, I might have felt like I really do mean this right now, but, like, I could just feel words coming out of my mouth. I had no... I don't even know what my intention was other than not to lose yeah. a body, you right. know? Like, so, honestly, like, I really do think that I I could have just let him have his feelings, you know? Like, let him feel the way that he did and not force this upon him for my own fear of abandonment. So, although there are different intentions, I don't necessarily you know I have to take accountability for that and the times that I did and that was I think one of the main contributors to my epiphany like my aha moment of wow you you manipulate situations too and although you're not doing it I guess I never thought that I did before because I wasn't somebody with bad intent so I was like oh there's no way that I could be a manipulative person but when you take a look at situations for what they are and when you're honest with yourself about deep down like what your agenda really is like is it true to your purpose and your you know trajectory for the rest of your life to be a good person and live a good life or are you just doing it because right now that's what feels good you know yeah and I think I I I mean like I said I I get in I think that everyone has their own um well like there's so many different varying levels of manipulating like we said so it's so hard to say like to evaluate yourself at a broad scale and, and try to remember every interaction, every relationship you had, and then identify whether that was manipulating or not. For me, I do feel like, and I, this is not me not taking accountability, in my relationships specifically, mm-hmm. I spent so much of my time dodging or surviving manipulators. I really didn't have any time <laughs> to manipulate anyone else. Mm-hmm. There are definitely times that I can be very, I'm very persuasive. I am a salesman. I love to sell people on things. I think that that can be perceived as manipulation or me trying to be manipulative. It really truly isn't, but I totally get how that can come across that way. And I've tried to be more cognizant of that when I'm talking to people and not push my opinion so hard. But what I will say in terms of taking ownership of my manipulation aspect of it and the thing that I think, the only thing in my life that I really feel a sense of guilt for is like I mentioned earlier, how I ran a fitness blog. I ran that blog under the um, 
the idea that I was recovered from an eating disorder and that I was now going to do it right and now I was healthy and now I'm going to inspire all of you to come do it with me and um number one I didn't know it at the time so I will say that it wasn't it wasn't with bad intention Mm -hmm. it was absolutely with good intention but number one I wasn't recovered I was still in an eating disorder I was just on the opposite end of it there's all different parts of an eating disorder turns out corners that you can explore it's not just anorexia or bulimia um there's also there's over exercising and and um that whole fitness culture of it all. I was also, the things that I was saying, the way that I phrased it, the way that I worded it, the way that mm-hmm. I was pushing people was manipulative. The The outcomes that I promised, um, the things that I, I said were manipulative. And, and I think I didn't realize it until probably about three years ago when I started my very beginning of my self-acceptance journey and unfollowing like all of that stuff on social media and realizing how toxic it is and how manipulative it is and how it totally shaped the way that I saw things and then realizing I was that person. Mm-hmm. I was absolutely that person for over for several thousand people. And that is a real bummer. Mm-hmm. And um I think that that's something that again like we said like why authenticity is like the antidote to it because if I had taken time to do those little uncomfortable steps of even understanding that I was still in an eating disorder, that I was still um, actively struggling, I think I, I would have stopped. I wouldn't have done those things and it wouldn't have led where it did. But unfortunately, I was too caught up in uh, manipulating the way that other people saw me and uh, being a success story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's it's definitely a whole circle. Why, why, why today? Like why it's why I'm still working on that today. How right. I started the episode. Yeah, it's. It's a hard pill to swallow when you see what you've done to try to manipulate other people's Thank views God of no you. one's ever told me. If you're out there and you were somebody who followed my blog and I harmed you in any way, I'm so sorry. Please never tell me. Don't tell me. Don't ever Not say anything Not until we to me. have more growing to do. And no, then... like don't even tell me ever. Okay, okay. <laughs> don't, ever don't ever tell me. I, she, she already lives with it. I can't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it can be really difficult to be honest about what you've done and... It's not to say that you are a bad person or that how you know that you don't deserve to redeem yourself like you everybody has to learn and grow you know there is a time for atonement so to speak where you yeah. can try to kind of just reconcile those things acknowledge them and if you have the means if there is anybody that you feel like you need to reach out to to you know acknowledge what you've done or anything like that I stand for that but otherwise it is it's a long process of trying to work through that feeling because it can be very difficult to think of yourself in that way and think about how you may have twisted a situation for your own benefit and regardless of your intent I think that it's always important to acknowledge it and to process that and to learn from it and I Mm -hmm. also think that the other thing that has really helped me, which although maybe it was the situation itself, but much larger than that, I think that my need to control things has lessened and that in turn has helped me just remain more conscious of any situation that I may be trying to manipulate for my own gain. If I'm feeling hurt and scared or like I'm at the risk of losing something, 
I need to stay very present and make sure that I show up to that situation very genuine and authentic and honest, even if it's uncomfortable for me. Because thinking outside of yourself, thinking of the greater scale of the world and the universe and what your, what your purpose is on this planet while you're alive, you don't have control over anything. I mean, this is my own personal belief that I may be pushing, but it's just I don't think that you can control anything necessarily like you don't have full control over what happens so only your own actions yeah yeah and I I think that once you can really accept that and own that that release from the grips that you need to have on the world of like whether it's somebody else's feelings about you whether it's their opinion their judgment about you you can't control that so the second that you can let go of that you don't even feel the need to manipulate situations yourself. It's just you kind of start to feel much more open about whatever well, I think, comes towards thing, you. Like, that, like what you're really the lack of um, like giving up that control mm-hmm. is acceptance, mm-hmm. really, right? So like, and the acceptance of it is not only important for you to not manipulate other people, but for other people to not be able to manipulate you. Because if I had that acceptance about myself, about the way they looked, about how my friends felt about me, I wouldn't have been manipulated. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't, they would have tried, but it wouldn't have actually succeeded in getting to me and upsetting me and making me feel that way and falling victim to it. I would have seen what they were doing. But because I didn't, I wasn't able to accept myself, I believe the things that they were telling me and that if I did those things, I would be more likable or better or prettier or whatever. Um, So I think, yeah, that lack of control and acceptance of all things, of just it is what it fucking is. It's when I think it gets, it starts to get out of control for whoever is the one who is trying to manipulate it. It's usually to, I feel like, make it's to skew people's view of you basically you know like I think that once you can let go of at least for me in my in my situations where I've been manipulative once I stop caring what people think about me like that's the acceptance yeah Yeah. like so yeah I mean if y'all want to share your manipulator experiences feel free um before we could always like kind of touch on them on the next podcast or if you have a feeling about this please reach out to us let us know Uh, I know there's so many different manipulating situations out there that we I'm sure didn't even touch on and honestly we didn't even explain all the ones in our lives because listen we only have so many we have how how much longer are you really going to listen to us for? I know. I mean, we're really and then, coming up against it now. So there's like extreme situations too that we can't speak on. You know, like that we have no experience with when it comes to like actual like dangerous situations, like physically harmful, dangerous situations. But that's not what we are talking about. Today. Yeah. So um, although I would, I'd like. Uh, I think we kind of do. Um, <laughs> so. Before we go, let's touch on our Diamonds of the Week, a bright spot in a dark week. Um, I'll keep mine kind of brief. Yeah, mine's mine's pretty brief. Mine is that, like, and listen, this is going to be so embarrassing to even admit. For anyone who's been listening to this for a long time, you know that if there's anything about me, it's that I love drag, okay? Love a drag show, love a drag queen, love love uh, gender fluidity, love sexual fluidity. I love I love all, everything about it. Okay, like what is not to love? Truly, the outfits, the, the entertainment, the, the vibe, the energy, the just everything. Mm-hmm. I can't. So this might come as a shock to you. I had never watched Drag Race, mm. and that not never like I had seen episodes of it, but I really mm-hmm. never sat down to watch it. 
And the truth is it's because I was so, for years I didn't have cable and I just used my parents like login for like a million years when Ricky and I lived at the apartment. So I didn't even have access to it. And then um, I found out that it was on Hulu and I was like, oh, okay. So that's like a possibility, but they don't have all the seasons on Hulu. They have some of them on on demand. So now that I have cable, I've started going backwards. I'm almost finished season 12. I just started season 12 because 13 was in COVID and I, mm. I can't with that. So I just started the most recent one before. Um, I, I don't want to speak on how I feel about anyone in it because it's not over yet. And as everyone knows, I mean, week to week. change by it the change, day. Yeah, Right. Like, I dare I ever speak on who I love now mm-hmm. because who knows what they'll do. I know. Um, but honestly, Drag Race, it's such a diamond for me. And I, um, I, I can't. I yeah. just don't have words. I love no. it so much. I know. I mean, it actually has all the elements that you would love in a show. I know. It's just, I just it's slept like a on game it. That's show. the only way to put it. Yeah. No, you truly did. And that's okay because I have a lot of seasons too. I'm not like a seasoned Drag Race uh, watcher, but I have watched a couple seasons that, and of course, like we all, aside from the show, like Katie said, like we are stands of drag queens, like mm-hmm. the most, the most, but yeah, I, I should probably hop on that train too. Now that I think about it. Yeah. It's just um, what is, so what's your dad? Um, so it was, I mean, oh God, <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing cause it's so basic. So little. Well, it was pretty embarrassing. Um, as I had talked about before, before we started recording, I've been feeling very, uh, for lack of better terms, just pretty lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I have not been very disciplined with myself in ways that I really want to be disciplined, and for whatever reason, it's just I feel like I feel like I'm like a video game character that's like stuck in like a wall that just like can't get out. I'm like okay, I'm, like, I'm gonna do it, and then I'm like nope, there's a wall there, and I'm like, oh, it, I just can't seem to get past them. But it's about small victories, you know. And I would just say that I was able to at least paint my nails and like have them not look so ratchet because the past couple weeks I've been slacking on I mean I'm hygienic but I'm not like no I've been it's so funny I did the same thing this week where like I've been doing a lot of skincare a lot of like I did my my nails are kind of I didn't do a good job this week but I did my nails too same thing I think there's something about the week this week the energy in the universe something is like take care of yourself like do something drink water I sit down you know I haven't been very I've been slacking in a lot of other areas but I at least got my nails painted I had a good breakfast this morning so, I mean, I have to just take what I can get day by day because the days are long, they're tiring, and they're hard, but I have yeah. a lot to look forward to, and honestly, painting my nails, getting my nails done did it for me today, where I was like, at least that's done. No, I, I, I totally that. understand. Because I, I used to not, I used to go to the nail salon, like I was a total nail salon person for year, like my whole life, uh, and Christy has always been an at-home, for the most part, mm-hmm. nail person. And I suck at it so bad, but because I'm like, I'm literally an Instagram ad. I use that Olive and June kit. Couldn't be any better. It's literally like such a game changer. And it does, like when you have the cap. now I understand why you like doing your nails so often. Because if I had had that capability the mm-hmm. whole time, I would have been out here never looking like shit, you know? And there's, there's just something about, like when you have unpainted nails and you yep. already feel like shit about yourself, it just, I mean, you can't escape it because... You know, I got that and myself tanner this week, and I was like, I'm feeling better. Like we're different people feeling when better. we're tan with painted nails. And you wouldn't even know I'm wearing it's. It's been a couple days, so it's pretty much off. Um, Either way. Oh, and the last collective diamond is even though y'all probably won't notice, uh, it's empty. It's a shell, but we are officially, finally in the podcast room that in we've been stude. talking about in the new stude. We're so <laughs> we're like in the stude. We're just like doing sods in the stude. <laughs> 
<laughs> We're going to call this episode Stowed in the Stewed. <laughs> New Stowed in the Stewed. You know what? That's an idea. We might just maybe we're just gonna start making our episode titles cryptic, and like you'll find out what it's about when you join in. Um, so that's really exciting because we—it's been a long time coming, and it's still not totally there. But at least we're here. We're in our chairs. We're like doing the thing. We're in the chairs. We're in our real official space, like just for us and just mm-hmm. for this podcast. So that's really exciting. Um, so let's hit the dusty trail. Yeah. Um, like I said earlier, if you want to message us and tell us your stories of manipulation or how you think that we are actually really manipulative or like, like I said, don't tell me if I manipulated you in the past <laughs> about my blog, but like, do not, I won't read Just it. Just know that she's sorry. Um, I, I said I'm fucking sorry. Okay. So like, don't <laughs> tell me, but message us with anything else manipulation related. You can DM us at we don't know her pod on Instagram. You can send us an email at we don't know her pod at gmail.com. You can rate, subscribe, and review on iTunes. Leave, um, you know, a little a little a message about what you think about, yeah, a few stars, what you feel. Um, and subscribe so that you don't miss any new episodes because I am going to go out on a limb here. And listen, you guys know the podcast biz. This I'm sure we're not the only podcast you listen to. Sometimes people say they're going to have a guest and then they don't. That might it's happen, but I'm going to go ahead and say that we have some really exciting guests coming up in the next couple of months, next month or two. A couple so weeks. Like, like literally in a couple up. weeks. So nervous. So we have a lot of really exciting episodes coming up, so make sure you subscribe and Don't stay tuned. Yeah, for real, honestly, y'all are going to be shook. You're going to be like, how did these measly <laughs> ass bitches get these guests? We ask the same thing. Don't worry. It's like, Wait. that's a retrograde all over again. I don't know, honey. It's called manifesting. So, so yeah, look it up. Um, with that being said, we will see you on the next one. All right. Peace. Bye.